It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law, featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call us at 312-726-1243. Have you ever felt on trial by the court of public opinion? Well, today I'm speaking with Tom Siselka, the founder and president of TC Public Relations, a company that specializes in crisis communication media relations, and social media strategy for churches, ministries, lawyers, and not-for-profit organizations. Tom's been on our show a number of times. Uh, welcome back, Tom. It's always good to have you on Lawyers for Jesus. Oh, thank you, Rich. Uh, Tom, we're moving into a kind of a, an interesting topic. The theme of today's program is trial by media, comparison and contrasting the court of law and the court of public opinion. I know this is a, a area that you've been thinking a long time about, and there's a lot of different ways we could go. But let's, you know, start out again with the listeners, a little of your background, just so they know where you're coming from in terms of uh, media. Sure, sure. Well, uh, my background in, in, in media has been, you know, over the years, actually, before I started my own public relations agency, uh, helping people uh, get their stories out in the news, TV, radio, you know, on, online. And then most recently, in recent years, has been concentrating on you know, Christian, conservative, uh, family values type of uh, organizations and nonprofits. Well, let's talk about those organizations real quickly. My law firm is one of your clients from time to time. Mm -hmm. I also refer clients of mine who are in a crisis situation to you for management of their um, publication and their communication. Mm -hmm. So uh, long experience. We've actually had shows talking about that kind of thing. Let's just jump into this thing. All right. So what's the difference between the court of law and the court of public opinion? Well, the court of law, people kind of understand. They get a sense that there are judges, there are lawyers, there are court filings. Well, frankly, they're all suspended right now. But yes, <laughs> yes that's right. At least at this show. But hopefully it'll, it'll you know, be up and going again. And so people are kind of uh, aware of that. But then the court of public opinion is something I don't think they think about consciously in the sense that when you think of a court, you're usually weighing two two opposing viewpoints, right? I mean, in the court of law, we talk about the, the plaintiffs, the one that's kind of on the uh, you know offensive, and then we think of the defense or, or those who are accused as on the defensive. And in the court of public opinion, you really have the same thing going. You have two sides that are battling for the mind of, let's say, the general public or a particular audience, where in the court of public opinion, you're battling for the mind of either the judge or the jury. Well, I get the thought there, and there's two sides, but oftentimes I feel like my position is pro se. There's no real representation going on in the media. So give me a little more thought on that in terms of how that's working. Sure. So, you, so I understand there's kind of this what I would call stereotypical response that if you consider yourself to be a conservative Christian attorney – that you're probably not going to get in the cover of the New York Times, the opening story of CNN saying Malcolm Baker just did this great stuff for freedom of religion. And uh, uh, You know, you mentioned that, and actually I'm <laughs> laughing because we're involved in the, the Millennium Park right. case. 
there was a lot of coverage on it. Malcolm Baker did not get any mention. <laughs> Actually, they mentioned the ACLU that is not involved in the case at all. So right. that may be an example of what you're saying right yeah, there. Yeah, well, but you see, that's the beauty of the court of public opinion is that you can hold you can hold court. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, because you have your owned media, you know, be it your website or your blog or your newsletter or your social media, that, you know, you actually jump in there. And and I think as we've seen with, with our current, you know, presidential administration, you know, he's not waiting for the court of public opinion to go in his favor. He's just shooting it out there, you know, obviously through, through Twitter and through other uh, social media communications. And I think that's where your firm and people like that we think that our voice is not being heard in the, quote, mainstream media, that's where we actually get to influence the judge, in this case, you know, the general public. Well, that's that's one of the roles that we've hired you to do for us in, in certain cases, uh, zoning cases, for instance, or other cases where um, there is a public interest, um, or, or cases where um, a church, let's say a church has had an accident. Mm-hmm. And the, the media is going to be involved in it, and, and how do we manage that? Or, and I'm thinking of another case that we've referred to you where there was a child abuse situation mm-hmm. that took place. And how was the church then going to um, handle its communications? Because that was going to become a story. Mm-hmm. Well, unfor- and- unfortunately, Rich, what happens is, is that often the initial – so, for example, let's say somebody sues a church right. for child abuse right. um, or, or mis misconduct by the senior pastor, right? That, that's going to make the news across the board, right? Everybody's watching the church very closely, and they're easily to condemn it when it's, these things are happening uh, and becomes news. However, if the church is, if the pastor is vindicated, if he's found innocent, if you found out it was a false accusation, in that case, that's where you have to be more proactive with your own court of public opinion, because you want to let people know that this has happened, it's been cleared, you know, whether you do it through a blog or a group meeting or other kind of communications or a podcast, because they've dropped the story. But yet right. you, you have been vindicated yep. and you want people to know that even the court of law has found that this was a false charge and you're clear. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Mauk and Baker. If you're just tuning in, make sure to visit MaukBaker.com to hear the rest of this interview. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, I'm speaking with Tom Siselka, founder and president of TC Public Relations, and we've been talking about two courts, the court of uh, public opinion and the court of law. And so my next question to you, Tom, is how do they interact? Well, I think they interact in a, in a, in a couple uh, different ways. You know, first of all, that when you are talking about the court of law, you're talking about often legal terms that the average person doesn't understand. And so when you go to the public opinion, whether it's your website or a news story, they have to translate. You know, I often joke, you know, lawyers will give me a brief, which is 80 pages long. And I say, why is that called a brief? And I have to translate that into maybe a 400 word uh, a media statement that explains, you know, what happened. So I would say that, you know, the big difference is that the technical issues you have to people don't people don't even understand the First Amendment. So if you're talking about, like when you mentioned the case you had in Millennial Park uh, with the free speech issue by the bean, people may not even know what the First Amendment is. They may not understand the differences. So in the court of public opinion, it's your responsibility to educate and say that when you're, when you're in a public place, a public place is a public place for the most part. And you have a right to speak your mind within obviously certain rules and regulations and all the nuances of the Constitution of the First Amendment that will be in the court of law. 
won't mean anything to the average person. So, for example, when someone's reading a newspaper today, we're talking about the fourth grade reading level. You know, attorneys are always, you know, writing at the, you know, quote, graduate level of, of writing in, in a particular industry with legal jargon. That's not going to play in the court of public opinion. I always remember my father taught me, he was a lawyer and he taught me to hypothecate the hereditament. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> that means sign the will. <laughs> That's what it means. But you're right. You have, you have to do some translation there. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So let's, let's just take this a little further. Which is more influential? I would say, you know, today, because most people are getting their news through social media, you know, unfortunately, so many people are not looking at a reliable source, you know, whether you agree or disagree with the New York Times or Wall Street Journal and how they lean in their reporting, too many people are getting their news uh, of stories that are are being passed along. So I would say in some ways, the court of public opinion has become a little more influential. And the reason I say that is, is that people who want to get their news out there, you know, whether it's uh, a Malcolm Baker versus an ACLU or Alliance Defending uh, Freedom versus, let's say, uh, the ACLU, uh, they're having to create their own media channels. And what they're doing is that they realize that if that gets shared, there's a better chance that people can get the right information, not necessarily from uh, some post that might be from a, quote, uh, liberal, uh, left-leaning, biased, anti-Christian news source. Rather, they're getting it straight from uh, what they would consider a source that they can trust. Well, I, I assume that's what uh, President Trump thinks he's doing with his tweets. He's going straight to the people and 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 avoiding um, the news outlets. Well, the interesting part about him is is that you can see what he's done. You know, even when he was you know first running for the nomination for the Republican Party. He realizes he's going to say these things that's going to kind of stir the pot and kind of poke a stick in the mainstream media, which tends to be which tends to be more liberal. And they are going to magnify his message. So not only does he get the people, you know, the, the millions of people following him on Twitter, it's now being repurposed and used in the media outlets. It's going to reach even more people who probably support him because of how they react to his, his Twitter feed. So I, I would agree with that. For those who were fed up with the media, they were probably thrilled with his poking at the media. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they just gave him so much free um, airtime. Right. It, it was just like <laughs> you couldn't have bought it. Even he didn't have enough money to buy that kind of airtime that he got, particularly in the primaries and, and in the beginning of mm-hmm. of it. When, when I think the media thought he didn't have a chance and so they were just highlighting him for whatever reason. Absolutely. All right. So uh, can the Bible inform the court of law or the court of opinion? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the examples I, want, I, I think it's important to look at is in Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, that's where Jesus is, is being questioned by a lawyer. And you probably know this chapter very well, where it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law or a lawyer stood to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus, you know, in the wise Jewish philosopher, so to speak, that he is, how does he answer a question? With a question. And what does he say? He says, well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And, he, and the, the, uh, the, the lawyer asking Jesus this question says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yeah, you got it. And he goes, no, 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 but wait a minute. Tell me, who is my neighbor? Now, if you think about it, he then brings up this, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Tom, we're going to come back with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, coming up, we will be talking further with Tom Siselka, founder and president of TC Public Relations, about the court of public opinion and how we can navigate it. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Lawyers for Jesus.
You've worked hard during your life to build a legacy. Don't let it fall apart after you pass. Without an estate plan, you risk prompting chaos between your loved ones and may even lose control of your belongings. That's why it's absolutely essential to have the right legal documents to make sure your family is protected and assets are properly managed when you can no longer take care of them. But don't worry, assembling an estate plan is easy when you have the right legal counsel. Countless people have trusted the attorneys at Malkin Baker to provide the care and attention they deserve for something so important. Malkin Baker can handle all of your estate planning needs, such as wills and trusts, guardianship, charitable gift planning, business succession planning, power of attorney for healthcare and property, estate litigation, tax planning, and even probate. Contact Malkin Baker today to get started on your estate plan. Call 312-726-1243 or visit malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney at the firm of Mauk and Baker. We're a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals and their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to maukbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, I'm speaking with Tom Siselka, founder and president of TC Public Relations. And we were talking before the break came up about what the Bible has to say about the court of public opinion. And, and you were telling us about a lawyer who was interviewing Jesus. Uh, Tom, I cut you off to, to go to break. So pick it up right where you left off. Sure, sure. We, so the story is, is the Good Samaritan. But prior to that, it was a lawyer of the Jewish law who asked Jesus, you know, ultimately when he talks about the greatest commandment, you know, and he includes the issue of like, who is my neighbor? Well, does Jesus go into, okay, wait a minute, let me pull out this brief. Let me pull out the Torah. Let's pull out the, you know, the first five books of the Bible and let's get down to this law. No, what does Jesus do? He says, yeah, you're asking me a question about the law, but I'm going to tell you a story. And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And the story of the Good Samaritan is a story that whether you're a Christian, not a Christian, you can talk to people in just, in, in general conversations. We are, and you say, have you ever heard of the story of the Good Samaritan? And it's a pretty good chance you've heard of that story. So you think about what Jesus did in the court of public opinion. He's saying, you know, you should really love someone even when they need, regardless of who you are and who they are. And he kind of stumped this lawyer and at the same time addressed his needs of knowing what's going on as far as the law and the greatest commandment. So when, when you say that, I'm just thinking about it and I'm thinking about his ability to communicate in a wide basis using story mm-hmm. and doing that. So how, do, how does that work for us now in this, in this age of media? How, how, do you, how do you use that in your own um, public relations? Well, what I find is, is that, you know, for the believer, nothing is secular. You know, so, so for example, um, um, I, had a client, I have a client in New York. We're supposed to have a big event in uh, New York City, a public event, a public march uh, for, for life. Well, it's because what's happening, uh, it's, it's, it's we, we, we didn't know whether it was going to be canceled or, you know, what's going to happen, what are the police going to say. And so what I found that everybody I was communicating in that process, you know, many of whom I don't know whether they're believers or not, I've always positioned that we're going to do our best job as uh, public relations professionals, but ultimately we need to leave this to the Lord because this is not a surprise to him. So what I find is in, in my work today, that's the way that I would apply it, that I would take my work, the public relations work, put it through scripture and make sure that it comes out the other side that, yes, I'm giving them the gospel. And at the same time, I'm doing, you know, the good work that they paid me to do. 
Well, you know, it seems to me one distinction uh, between a court of law and the court of public opinion is the premium on truth. Mm -hmm. um, there are many, many mechanisms within the court of law to try to sort out who's credible and who's not credible. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of opportunities to point out error. How does that work in a court of public opinion? It seems to me that that's not always the case. As far as who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth, yes. absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that's, and I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes into into play. And what I mean by that is, for the believer, the Bible tells us to test every spirit. And when you're testing every spirit, you're looking for what is, you know, what is truth. And in some cases, speaking the truth, even to the person who doesn't fully understand the truth, who's not a Christian yet often piques their interest. So when you're trying to discern this, you know, as parents, we do this with our children, right? We say, hopefully we, we bring them to the place where they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And at the same time, we walk through with them to help to discern. I do this with my children all the time, where I'm saying, okay, you've been told this, you heard this, now let's think about this, and what is this, you know, what is the Holy you know, Spirit telling you? So I think for the believer, we have an amazing advantage because we can not only get the counsel of the Holy Spirit to discern what's true and untrue in the court of public opinion, but more importantly, we can share that with others and how to how to discern. You know, one thing that I I I, I just want to make sure I I, I don't uh, miss this. You know, another great uh, PR pro was uh, Paul. And you think about what he said in, in 1 Corinthians one twenty three. He says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the to the Jews, and a folly to the Gentiles. And I got to tell you, we're that's a tough message there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very tough message. Yet, long after that, people are still taking his message, what he shared about Jesus, and committing their lives to him, and being forever changed. So I just admire him as far as him cutting through, because you can think about what he went going through. People are saying, this Jesus is a hoax. This is just some cult. And Paul's saying, well, by the way, let me tell you about a guy who was crucified. He didn't do anything wrong. And the Jews are going, wait a minute, this is not the Messiah. We thought who the Messiah should be, even though the scriptures made it very clear. And to the Gentiles who are still learning about even who God is, he's got a pretty tough message. But yet here it is, 2,000 years later, people are still committing their lives to Christ. Well, I... I would think that part of what that is, is the power of the Holy Spirit as well, mm -hmm. to convict um, and to bring people to the truth. Mm -hmm. um, he is referred to as the Spirit of Truth. All right, so let me challenge you a little bit. You, you, you're coming in, you're telling me that um, Jesus was a master of public relations. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm reading my scriptures and I'm seeing Jesus walking into situations time and time again and rather than winning the public opinion, he's purposely um, working against public opinion. Um, let me do this real quick. Let me introduce this again. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, law firm of Malkin Baker. And we're talking with Tom Saselka, founder and president of TC Public Relations. And I'm raising with Tom right now the question of Jesus as the master of public relations. Actually, let me give you an example. So... He's in a situation, he's got all the ability, he's got the Pharisees around him, and they're all listening, and rather than say something that they'll all agree with and he'll, they'll come on board with him, he'll provoke them. And I see it time and time again. And he'll speak something very truthful, 
but it's pointed. And as the scriptures say, the Pharisees perceived that he was speaking against them. Mm-hmm. So how is that public relations? I'm, I'm, I keep thinking about this. Oh, interesting. Well, I, I think the amazing thing about Jesus was he knew there were different audiences. You know, so for example, he knew with the Pharisees because, and the religious leaders, he knew because they thought they knew the law better than him. He had to call them out on it and he had to convict them. Because remember, God is about conviction, not condemnation. So he didn't want to condemn them, but he wanted to convict them. So he was very effective in in, in, uh, convicting them. Secondly, if you've noticed, he's not the only messenger. He's got his disciples. He's got a fisherman. He's got a tax collector. He's obviously got people who are familiar with the law, like, you know, like someone like Paul. So he knew that as they were going out to different audiences, they would be able to speak their language and be able to communicate, you know, where they were at. So I think in that case, he was just a master. Because remember, he also talked, I didn't come here to to bend or to broke the, the weed or just to snuff out a candle that's ready to go out. He was gentle. And I think in the case when you're talking about the Pharisees, he loved them, but they were hard nut to crack. And he had us had to bring down the hammer to crack them to get to their heart. I I think that's true. And I also think that because of the hardness of our hearts, he provoked crisis intentionally mm-hmm. because without it, I, I hate to say it, but we don't usually turn to God unless we're broken. Mm-hmm. When, when we're all doing well ourselves and self-sufficient, we just generally um, rely on ourselves and don't turn to God. So, I, I'm, so crisis, I think, is part of, of what he's really doing um, in all of that. Jesus left the earth, but he didn't leave us a blog to read or a podcast to listen to. How did he manage to use his public relations influence on people in the 21st century? And what lesson is it for us? You know, I think the lesson is, is that I think it's just amazing that, that God, the creator of all things, says, you know, I'm bringing along Rich, I'm bringing along Tom, I'm bringing along our producer, Brittany, with me in this amazing message of salvation. And, and the genius was, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, is that I will find any and all means to reach the people with a message because God is no respecter of persons. He desires that all would be saved. And so what he, when he left and he says, okay, I want you to go out to all the nations. And whether it's a case that you're preaching or whether you're writing or whether you're speaking or if you have a blog or if you have a podcast, and he didn't say podcast, so I'm not saying that's in the scripture, but he still gave us the words. And so the words that are coming through are his words, ultimately through these broken vessels that shine the light of Christ. That's what he did, which is the genius. And that's what will always separate us you know, from the world. And that's what, it's the light that will draw people to him. Uh, draw that out a little bit more. Always separate us from the world. How? Well, so for example, you know, at the time of this broadcast, you know, we're going through the, uh, you know, the coronavirus. And the question is, how do we respond to it as believers? And the way we respond to it is, the Bible says we respect our government authorities. So the government authority says, you know, close this, do this, you know, uh, uh, meetings. We know churches have, you know, been cautious in following the government uh, in, in doing this. So th- that's one side. And the other hand is we know that God is sovereign. And so the way that we show that is, is that how we respond to that, not out of fear, but out of faith. And that is what intrigues people. I think faith and love, mm-hmm. love for our neighbors as well, mm-hmm. which, is, which is that second commandment. Tom, there's a lot more to go in this topic. I never got to the Old Testament. I never got to Moses. There's all kinds of things we wanted to talk about. Thanks for speaking with us. How can our listeners learn a little bit more about TC Public Relations? Sure, absolutely. Well, they certainly go to our website, which is uh, TC, like Topcat, PR, publicrelations.net. 
tcpr.net. Certainly welcome to give me a call, uh, 312-422-1333. That's 312-422-1333. Thanks again, Tom. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. On our website, you'll find our Lawyers for Jesus podcast. You can also subscribe to our newsletter for legal insights. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Baker, attorney at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.